Thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast, the leading word in pharmacy. Please find all of our shows at www.pharmacypodcast.com. Hello, my name is Ed Hesterley. I'm the Executive Vice President of the American College of Apothecaries, and you're listening to Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, this is Todd Urey with the Pharmacy Podcast, uh, bringing you an episode with the American College of Apothecaries. And if uh, our listeners don't know what the American College of Apothecaries is, it's an organization that was founded back in 1940 in uh, Richmond, Virginia. We are together today with uh, Mr. Uh, Ed Hesterly, PharmD, and he is the Executive Vice President of the organization. How are you this morning, Ed? I'm doing fine, Todd. How are you? Very good. So... American College of Apothecaries, until I met um, your organization through recommendations of Mr. Scott Maitland through Pharmacy Marketing Quarterly, didn't know about this. And then the more I read about it, I realized that there were some benefits here to many different facets of pharmacy. Can you give our listeners kind of an overview of what the American College of Apothecaries is? And then I definitely have some questions for you um, in follow-up. I would be happy to, Todd. ACA, or the American College of Apothecaries, as you said, was founded in the 1940s in Richmond, Virginia. And it was established really to create a a meeting place for um, those independent community pharmacy practitioners who were focused on the the high-touch, high-service end of, of pharmacy practice. The vast majority of revenues from ACA pharmacies comes from the delivery of health care and not from uh, so much from from front end and uh, gifts cards, uh, uh, that sort of thing. But they're really focused uh, very strongly on on delivering quality pharmaceutical health care to their to their patients and customers. They have a sister organization, we do, uh, called the American College of Veterinary Pharmacy that uh, helps to meet the needs of, of those practitioners who also deliver health care to veterinarians and, and uh, veterinarian pa- veterinary patients and, and, uh, and customers as well. So primarily, Ed, I work with a lot of privately owned pharmacies. The majority of my customers, 90% of my customers are privately owned independent pharmacies throughout the country. And um, when talking to them about the preservation of the pharmacy profession and what that does in the healthcare system that we are all part of, uh, the quality um, that it provides in complete care for the patient comes back to, of course, the pharmacy. And what this sounds like is it, it sounds like this is a return to the, to the originality of what pharmacy was in being an apothecary, um, in, in care and in compounding and um, much more medication um, health care services rather than being um, focused on a front end. And I know that there's a balance in that today, but um, how do um, our independent pharmacies throughout the country uh, tap into the resources of American College of Apothecaries and how do they get more involved? 
Well, uh, it's interesting you say that, Todd, because I think most of our members, or as we call our members, fellows in the college, would argue that uh, we really never left uh, that original pharmacy practice model. And that is really what ACA uh, promotes and, and fosters is a, is a pharmacy practice model of delivering pharmacy care to, to our patients and customers. Obviously, the best way to tap into uh, the resources and what we have to, to offer is by becoming a, a member or becoming a fellow in the college. Uh, we have a number of, uh, of standards of practice that a pharmacy practitioner must adhere to in order to become a, a fellow in the college. We, a year or so ago, broadened our membership categories to a certain extent without sacrificing the, the standards on which the college was, was founded. When it was originally founded, in order to be a, a fellow in the college, you actually had to have an ownership stake in, in the pharmacy. We find that paradigm has shifted and, and changed over the years, and there are many more employee pharmacists, and in fact, many of the owner pharmacists are becoming uh, multi-store owners. So we broadened the, the membership criteria in such a way to allow any pharmacist who is either directly engaged in, in independent community pharmacy practice or if they're in another setting, um, such as academia or, or the pharmaceutical industry or, or whatever, if they support the vision and mission of the college as well as the standards of the practice that the college has identified, we will allow them also to become fellows in the college. They go through an interview process, and uh, uh, we're really fairly selective in, in who we uh, allow in for, for membership, but our membership ranks are growing. One of the things, or a couple of the things you'll find out about the college is that the college is very strongly focused on entrepreneurship and mentoring and business management. <clears throat> Most of our members are extraordinarily entrepreneurial. That's one of the things that attracted me to ACA oh, probably 25 years ago when I was in the pharmaceutical industry and, and working with ACA as, as a sponsor was I was always excited to go to their meetings and see the ideas that were, that were brought forward as to how uh, they were better meeting the needs of their patients and customers and surviving in an increasingly difficult business environment through third-party reimbursement, uh, HMOs, managed care, uh, et cetera, and the obstacles that those, those uh, management issues were, were, facing, uh, were, were placing in front of them. Uh, because most of our members do not directly compete with each other, they're very open to sharing their ideas, to mentoring younger members or even uh, members in, in their, their own uh, demographic as to how to implement uh, changes in, in practice or new ideas and, and make them successful. In addition to that, we strongly focus on business management techniques and uh, you know when we were in pharmacy school that was one of the things they really didn't teach us a great deal about they taught us to to practice the profession but not so much to manage a business and so we try to help our members 
through uh, uh, offering uh, good business management programming and, and the like to help them meet their their HR and, and financial management uh, needs and goals. You mentioned compounding. Uh, many of our members do compound. Some of our members compound exclusively. But we also have members who don't compound at all. So I come back to this professional practice model that we try to promote and, and foster, and compounding is certainly a piece of that. And it seems to be a, a, a piece that is growing over the last few years because it's, it's an area that, as of yet, is not strongly uh, – uh, does not have strong oversight from, from third party and managed care and, and some of those areas. What I've noticed, Ed, and this has been um, strengthening, especially over the last three years, is the independent pharmacy owner um, is now returning to multi-service providing, which is where uh, small community pharmacies had always been, and that is that they're providing, obviously, retail community services. They're, they're now expanding their long-term care and assisted living home care services, they're expanding their specialty services. Uh, I know pharmacies are now getting into um, to diabetes care, HIV, hepatitis C. They're expanding their compounding services, and it's differentiating them as a pharmacy in compared to the big box national chains, uh, the WalMarts, which I, I don't even like that model, and of course the mandatory mail orders. It's bringing pharmacy services back to the community as it always was, preserving pharmacy as it should be, and then, of course, um, making our public notice that there's a big difference between um, pharmacy as, a, as kind of a side thing and then pharmacy being delivered from a pharmacy professional uh, like our community pharmacy providers. Oh, you're exactly right, and uh, that's... What I, what I was trying to get at a while ago when I was talking about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial ideas. One of the, one of the things that we see very strongly is, is the expansion of a, of a whole variety of niche marketing activities by uh, ACA fellows. We uh, have a, an example that I like to use of a pharmacy out in, in Salina, Kansas that uh, uh, and it's a long story and I'll, I'll shorten it, but uh, Jeff Denton, Jeff and Sherry Denton, and Jeff uh, forward integrated his business into uh, into diabetes care, and got into diabetes shoes and and diabetes uh, food supplements and testing materials and those sorts of things because he had a large diabetic population. He further uh, noticed that uh, a lot of his uh, patients uh, ended up having uh, amputations and they would have to go to Wichita or Topeka to get those amputations done and, and prosthetic devices fitted. His daughter had an interest in health care and became a uh, certified pedorthist. Uh, Jeff bought the building next to him, knocked a hole in the wall, and set her offices up there where uh, she takes care of these patients right in, uh, in their own community. And uh, Every time I would see Jeff, I'd ask him, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing new now? And one of the last times I talked to him, he said, Well, Ed, I got in the elevator business. And I said, Elevator business? And he said, Sure. He said, A lot of these people live in two and three story old farm homes. They have trouble getting up and down the stairs, et cetera. So we're putting in uh, these stair lift uh, devices and elevators into these old homes to help 
service the needs of, of, of this population. So that's an example of the type of, of uh, individual who seeks out the American College of Apothecaries or the American College of Veterinary Pharmacy for for membership. And Jeff has shared his his model with any number of our members around the country. Uh, I don't know of any who have who have uh, uh, implemented it to the degree Jeff has, but I do know of many that have certainly taken bits and pieces of of his model and uh, and applied them to their practice settings to better meet the needs of the communities they serve. And that's truly the expansion of home services, home care services. Not only is uh, is that an, an open door for servicing diabetic shoes and walkers, uh, canes, um, wheelchairs, but also in this case um, an, an elevator solution to help uh, a, um, a person stay in their home. Hey, share with us, Ed, and share with our listeners the conferences that could be attended in order to get more information about um, the organization, about American College of Apothecaries, and, um, and once again, how they can um, become involved and, and gain the education that you're delivering. Okay. His, historically, Todd, we have been probably fairly, uh, fairly traditional as compared to uh, the large national uh, pharmacy organizations or even the state associations. And and really, when you when you look at ACA and ACVP, we're we're more the size of a uh, of a good, strong, robust uh, state association than we are the uh, the large nationals. We see ourselves as complementary to. Uh, an NCPA, for example, or an APHA, or, or what have you. We're not. Uh, we don't see ourselves uh, in competition directly with them. We uh, historically had two conferences a year: a mid-year meeting and an annual meeting, where we provided continuing education. And and uh, and frankly, that paradigm slipped up on us and and sort of bit us in the backside. Uh, in today's environment, I mean, you and I are conducting this interview on Skype. Uh, Setting in the, I'm in the comfort of my home office, and and, and you're in your office. Uh, you no longer have to go to a a meeting, whether it be a, a large national meeting or a state meeting, in order to get continuing education to satisfy your your licensing requirements as a healthcare professional. You can get that information and you can satisfy that requirement in the comfort of your home uh, at very little expense. So uh, we, like most organizations, began to see our meeting attendance dwindle and, and, uh, and decline. Uh, there was a kind of an apathy that began to evolve and develop. And so a couple of years ago, we said, okay, if we have to meet, better meet the needs of our members, what are we going to do? Uh, we canceled one meeting. We have one annual meeting now a year. Last year we held that in April in New Orleans, and it was a standalone meeting with ACA and ACVP. We said uh, this year we said let's try something a little bit different. Uh, David Miller over at the International Academy of uh, of Compounding Pharmacists and I were talking one day. Dave and I had known each other from our our industry days working together, and said, "Gee, we have a lot of the same members. A lot of of our members belong to both of our organizations." What if we do a joint meeting? So this year we're really excited, and in February we're holding uh, really the first ever cooperative joint meeting that I know of uh, for national level organizations uh, at this scope between ACA, IACP, 
and ACVP, and we're going together in uh, in Dana Point, California, in a beautiful setting, uh, to offer really three tracks of well, actually four tracks of programming: a an ACA track, an ACVP track, and an IACP track, along with some programming that that is of interest to all three organizations. And we're doing something uh, uh, even different in this regard in that most of our programming is going to be repeated. One of the things we've always seen is that, that people say, gee, you know, there were concomitant programs going on. I needed to be in this one, but I also wanted to hear that one. So we're trying to set the conference up in such a way that you don't have that, that conflict. The content of the programming also we've changed in that it's, it's very application-driven. Uh, ACA's had for many years a, a program we offer called This Works For Me, and it showcases many of these entrepreneurial ideas that, that uh, are new and different that our members are coming up with. And one of the things I hear from our meeting attendees is, wow, you know, I, I went to the conference, I picked up two or three ideas, I was able to go back implementing my pharmacy the next week and begin seeing results in the next month, and I more than paid for the cost of my uh, attending the meeting. It was very application-driven. It wasn't just another, and I, and I don't mean to downplay these, another uh, program on, on uh, how, to, how to manage high cholesterol or how to manage diabetes, although we do those kinds of clinical programming from time to time, and in fact, I think we have a diabetes program on the conference in February. But for the most part, these are very application-driven. What is entrepreneurship? How do you become an entrepreneur? How do you implement these sorts of things? Uh, government regulations and updates and, and oversight. So uh, we're really excited about this upcoming meeting. And the fact that it will be a small conference, probably uh, 200 or so attendees with uh, ample time for, for fellowship and networking. Uh, we see it as complementary to the large national meetings where there's several thousand people. It's hard to get together and uh, coordinate schedules, etc. So we're going to try this, see how it works. We're getting good feedback, and the registrations coming in are, are, are coming in kind of hot and heavy right now, and um, we're excited about it. And um, I'm excited to have had you on the show. I want to let the listeners know that if they want more information on American College of Apothecaries, please see the website at acainfo.org. That's acainfo.org, and that'll take you right to the American College of Apothecaries website. Um, the staff there, um, Director of Conferences, obviously, Susan Decker, definitely give you more information on the upcoming conference. And then Dana Easton, uh, Terry Wade, and of course, Mr. Ed Hesterly, PharmD, will be available to answer your questions about the American College of Apothecaries. Hey, Ed, it's been uh, extremely interesting to hear about what this organization does. I'm going to invite you back to the show in about six months just to give us an update as to how the ACA can help independent pharmacies throughout the country, not only uh, community, but those mixture pharmacies that are giving multiple services to their community. And thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. You can find all of our shows at www.pharmacypodcast.com. 
and we were talking with the Executive Vice President of the American College of Apothecaries, Edward Hesterly, PharmD. And thank you for listening.